0: Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells, and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Carrie Anderson is a content marketer, business coach, and launch tech strategist who spent her entire career helping entrepreneurs clarify and amplify their voices online. After crashing from burnout at the end of 2020, she took a year sabbatical and re entered 2022 with a vengeance on a mission to help online teachers grow their audiences, sell up their programs, and show up as their best selves at home and online. Carrie lives in Mesa, Arizona with her husband, stepson, and toddler son, and is the host of Your Best Selfie podcast. I personally admire Carrie so much. We've had the opportunity to work together on multiple projects over the years, and I trust her completely in business. And this is something I want to talk about today. So I'm so honored to introduce you. Welcome, Carrie.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I
0: feel like you're like one of my best kept secrets and I don't know why I haven't shouted you from the rooftops until now, but timing is everything. So now I think that's been (laughs) on my
1: side too, because I've been really blocked from taking on new clients. So now this year it's like, we're jamming more. We have more projects going together and I'm open to new things. So I'm excited for this conversation to talk about all things, marketing and life.
0: Me too. You're back,
1: baby. Um,
0: Welcome back. I want to talk about burnout, of course, um, one of my favorite topics and something I've been talking about a lot lately. But before um, we dive into that, I wonder if you could just share a little bit more of your story. I actually don't know (laughs) Um, a lot of it and just, you know, how you got to be so good at what you do and how you've got to be here in business and anything that feels important to share to sort of just like set the stage together.
1: Okay, yeah. So I have always kind of struggled with trying to figure out what I wanted to be with I grew- when I grew up, the classic Gemini thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I have like so many planets immutable, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I was all over the place. And so when I went to college, I decided I'm gonna be a teacher because I love teaching. So that theme has continued on in my work now, but I wanted to teach elementary school and my senior year, my dad had a stroke. And so I came home, I was a couple hours away. And when I came home, it really made me kind of question everything about my life. But I took a job working for the National Speakers Association, Mm -hmm. which is a whole bunch of different speakers, entrepreneurs, and just a place for them to all come together, learn trade secrets and everything. And that kind of introduced me to the world of entrepreneur, entrepreneurism, and also that people had marketing campaigns. Like I had never even thought Mm -hmm. about marketing. I didn't know that email funnels existed. I just, it was kind of a new up and coming thing at the time too. Like when I was growing up, that wasn't an option of something I wanted to be when I grew up. Totally. Yeah. So, So true. Yeah. So I started with NSA. National Speakers Association. And they introduced me to a lot of different things. Like they did events. So I did event planning for a while. They had a magazine, so I was writing. And it totally, my Gemini loved it because I was able to do all kinds of things. And then from there, a lot of speakers had virtual assistants. And so I was like, I could do that. So I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I left working with them, started my VA business. And then from there, at the beginning, I kind of took everything. Like, you want me to do your calendar? Okay. You want me to, you know, send this email? Okay. And from there, I've really kind of streamlined what I'm doing. I've found my niche in more of a marketing role. And I find now that the things I do best are more of like the behind the scenes tech kind of things, making everything talk to each other and figuring out cool ways to make it all work behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, you are the automations queen. So for those of you who aren't super familiar with like marketing or the back end of what's really going on at some of these events. So if you've ever signed up for a virtual summit or virtual event of any kind, the whole sign up process where you're going through a registration page and you're getting confirmation emails and follow-up emails and marketing emails and all of the stuff that nourishes you throughout the entire event, that would be Carrie (laughs) Um, doing that entire process and has helped with so many of my client campaigns and just making it so streamlined. And listening to your story, we're obviously very similar. And the first time I realized this, we were, I hired you for like an emergency. This is like the kind of situation that you call Carrie in. we had like a spreadsheet, organizational migration, automation, emergency. And I just called Carrie and was like, can you just walk me through this? She's such a tech wizard. And it was a system that I knew that you knew well. So I just like hired you last minute and was like, can we just screen share? And you walk me through this and watching you work, I've never seen somebody work as fast as me ever (laughs) until I saw you work. Like I am like a click machine. Like I type faster than anyone I know. I'm the fastest worker until I watched you work that day. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) It was so fun to like see somebody else work at that pace and that speed and that kind of efficiency and just show up in such an authentic way it's really fun watching you work and I feel like I got a little dose of like what it's like watching me work sometimes because it's just really 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 fast but you're also have one of the strongest work epics that I have seen and I want to go back to this around trust because I know if I pull you in on a project you're going to charge fairly. You're going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. There's no, there's not even a doubt in my mind where there would be like a moment out of integrity in working with you. And I feel like that's really hard to find actually um, that trust where I can just refer you to one of my biggest mentors, right? So like, obviously when you refer someone, you're putting your name on the referral. And I, I, Love being able to refer you and I love being able to connect you because it makes me look good and the way you deliver and the way you show up. So I want to talk a little bit about where that really came from because it's rare and what some of your sort of morals or like key missions are within your own company, within your own way that you show up. And yeah, unpack that a little bit.
1: Yeah, it is hard to find. I've been hiring some people and it's really like an intuition thing of, can I really trust this person? Are they going to have everything covered? And I appreciate you saying that. And I love it when other people tell me that, and it doesn't always feel easy for me because Mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel like, oh my God, I have so much to do. How am I going to get this all done? And it's a matter of taking it one step at a time. So it's nice to be reflected back that like, oh, you really do have it all handled. Because in my mind, it isn't always that pretty. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, and I think it's just like feeling, you know, you talk a lot about the sacred exchange of money. And Mm -hmm. I really believe in that. Like I, when somebody pays me, I want to show up and do a good job for them. And I'm willing to stay up late or work during my son's nap time or like whenever I can fit it in to make it happen, because that's important to me. And I want to show up with integrity and, you know, making sure that the project gets done on time and that we can get it launched.
0: Yeah. Why do you think, I mean, this is, I don't know if we have the answer to this, but we recently have pulled, when we pull Carrie into any project, it's like go time. And I know that she's going to be able to work just as quickly and as efficiently as I am. And I think for me anyway, working with larger teams is really difficult because there's so many more hoops or desks or cooks in the kitchen or eyes on the thing that, and I just want to get it up. I want to get it built. I want to get it out. And I find that you work really well with teams. Um, and I've worked with you in a large, lot of like large team settings and we're never waiting on carry. Let's put it that way. So how do you stay like patient and productive within a team that's maybe not working, as fast or as efficiently as you would especially when you've been like pulled into the project because I think a lot of us are like solopreneurs or VAs like I came up as a VA as well and EA and like you know having to just be available um, in a lot of different team settings so I thought it would be interesting to maybe talk about being pulled into a team and how to sort of like navigate those dynamics.
1: Yeah. I think for me, it's really about just focusing on my piece Mm. and getting it out and then trusting that they have their own stuff going on. Like I cannot control what they're doing. If I can help in any way I will, but it's more like checking that off my list and then sending it back to you. And then You know, of course, like if there are deadlines or project that I need, I'll follow up. But for the most part, like once it's done from my side, I'm like, okay, here's my piece. You know, you show up with yours now. So- That's very healthily detached of you. I feel like
0: I like get so emotionally. I feel like that's my, Carrie's also a witchy sister and astrology queen. And we talk about astrology a lot. And I feel like my, so my cancer moon- is in the sixth house, which for anybody that doesn't understand astrology, all that means is that my emotional body is like deeply, deeply sensitive and it's in the house of work, which means I take work really personal and it's like a whole thing, right? I get very emotional. and my your son answer, is in the
1: sixth house. So I feel that.
0: <laughs> so your answer just now was like, so for me, like, oh, it's as simple as that. Just ta- like, you can only do as much as you can do working in a team setting and just being able to detach and know that you got your work done instead of like, I feel like I get righteous sometimes about like other people's work ethics and things like that. And as I've grown my company and had to hire and work with so many teams, I feel like that team dynamic, when you're coming in, like as a specialty, right? Like we'll pull you in to do some specialty project or launch or automation. And you sort of have to just dive in to working with whoever it is that pulled you in and we have no control over that. Yeah. And I I find it very challenging.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts there. The first is that when you do step into a new team, I feel like that's when I need to shine the most is the first couple of months because everybody is like, who is this girl? Why are they bringing her in? Especially if it's a bigger team, they think, oh, we have this, you know, we don't need her. So I do tread lightly and I just like show up with my best self at the very beginning. And then You know, set that precedence of, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I can help you. We are going to get through this together. So there's always that kind of awkwardness. Mm -hmm. And you said something else that I want to touch on in that, especially overcoming burnout, one of my biggest mantras is, All I can do is all I can do. Mm -hmm. And I say that all the time. When I get overwhelmed, it's like, All I can do is all I can do. And everybody has to be okay with that. And I think everybody is dealing with their own level of stuff right now that just, feels so overwhelming that I think when we can show up with compassion for the other team members and just say, all I can do is all I can do, then we can more clearly work with the team and be able to expect the same from them too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great, a great Mm -hmm. mantra and such a perfect transition into speaking about burnout, because I think when you have such a high sort of standard of integrity for yourself and level of sort of efficiency and productivity, it can often lead to burnout. Um, I feel like my burnout happened about a year before you and we've, you know, been kindred spirits along this path together, supporting each other through it. And it's very real and it's very debilitating. And And really scary when you're used to being so productive and like identifying sort of with the job that you do and how you show up in the world and then to sort of hit this wall. And for me, I think some of my defaults are like burnout behavior. So Mm -hmm. like my go-to reaction or go-to launch strategy, like is naturally the strategy that's going to like overproduce, overwork lead to burnout. And I feel like you have some of those similar traits that I have of just like, you know, so on top of it, so available for people and what's had to change, you know, since then, because you have come back like with very clear boundaries and have demanded that we, as your colleagues respect them in such a gentle way. And I would just love for you to share a little bit about your burnout story, what kind of led to it, your decision to take time off, coming back in, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so I was in a super high-stress job, and I agree that it's totally my integrity that was on the line of feeling like I had to be doing everything for everyone. And part of running my own business, when I started as a VA, I found some awesome clients And my boundaries just over time kind of slipped more and more. And I said, Oh, yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can do that, too. Oh, I can do that, too. And it became this huge thing that I somehow became responsible for so much. And it really turned into a full time job, but I was still paying my own taxes and my own health insurance. And I wasn't getting any of the benefits of a full time job because I had just taken on more and more. And I wasn't able to take on other clients or scale or anything. So It was kind of a combination of burnout, plus the pandemic, plus being a new mom, like all of it just felt overwhelming. And so I said, I need a break. So I took what I thought was going to be a month off that ended up turning into a year off. And I think coming back into it, I've been scared about feeling that again. So when I do feel those feelings of like, oh, my God, I'm so overwhelmed. What am I going to do? I have to keep coming back to practices of boundaries and, you know, setting the stage for how this is going to work with future clients, because I want to be able to grow and scale. I don't want to burn out again. And so now I think it's, you kind of have to go through it to know what to expect and what those triggers are so that you can recognize them quicker and then put them at ease quicker.
0: Yeah. When you recognize like certain behavior or just sort of energies, that's something that like, when I get on the phone with a potential client um, or a situation that I just can feel from the get-go is not going to be energy rich is how we say it in our company. It's very clear that there's going to be an energy suck or a lack of something that I notice a lot for any solopreneur or somebody out there in service-based business is all send a price for something. And to me, that's what, you know, it's like a normal for say like a lower ticket one-off strategy session. And for me, if they want more than that, then there's like add-ons and additional things. And then when somebody, basically what I'm trying to say, if for me, it's like a low tier offer, but for them, it's a huge investment. I also find that that money energetic sort of difference feels really off because they're expecting so much of me. And yet, you know, I'm like, well, it costs this. And there's sort of that discrepancy of like, what feels like a huge investment to somebody might not feel like a huge investment of your time money energy it like might not align and that's something that i've also had to turn down like if i feel that you know a very fair project that i send feels like it's going to put somebody out in their in super scarcity mindset around that kind of investment it's also not going to be energy rich so i think like knowing those energies and like sensing ahead of time whether this is going to be something that like sucks me or fills me really because when it is the work when you can when the work or client or project allows you to just be in flow and do your job (laughs) it's like such a dream And it's actually quite rare, you know, unless you're setting really clear expectations and really clear boundaries. I've seen a lot of solopreneurs and VA or project-based freelancers get taken advantage of a lot in in this way. And so I just appreciate on the projects I've brought you into how you've showed up, how you've been so clear with expectations, and it feels really clean. And it feels really exciting to have you back in that way. But before we talk about that anymore, I would love to hear from somebody who is terrified to take time off, how it was for you during your sabbatical and getting to spend that time sort of regrouping with yourself when so much of what you were and what you were doing was defined by your job.
1: Yeah, it was hard. So first I'll say that I took one month off when my son was born. I don't know what your maternity leave plan is, but one month. No, I know. And I was like right back into it when I came back. So I'm sure that all contributed to the burnout. Um, But, you know. I'm a solopreneur. So it was like me, like if I wasn't there showing up, then I wasn't getting paid. That's the thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And that feels really scary, even though I'm not a solopreneur now, and I have a really great team. I have this fear that like people won't need me anymore or want to hire me anymore, or like, forget about me if I take a few months off. And it's funny because just flipping it and thinking about your story, I was like chomping at the bit to get you back. Like forgetting about you was not even, you know, it was like, I'm trying to respect Carrie's sabbatical, but I really want to be the first to know when she's back. Cause I want to like bring her into all this stuff. And so it's just funny, you know, looking at it that way, because like, it didn't even cross my mind that you wouldn't come back or, You know, I just knew that it was like a period where we needed to respect your downtime. But I was like, I couldn't wait.
1: And I wasn't sure I was coming back. Like, <laughs> I remember I met with you like last February or something um, of 2021. You're like, you're back. And I'm like, yeah. And I, in my mind, I was like, I am so not back. I'm so not back. It's not <laughs> happening. So now I feel like a lot more ready to jump in. And I didn't know when it was time other than just finding the right client to start with. Mm-hmm. And that pulled me back in when she told me like, Hey, I'm going to be able to take a month off of doing one-on-one coaching sessions because this launch went so well. And like, that is why I want to help give more people more time in a way that's more scalable. And this has really been true for me in getting rid of the whole trading dollars for hours. I do not like to work on an hourly basis anymore because oh, no. if I can get something done. I mean, you talked about how fast we work. If I can get done something in 30 minutes that would take you five hours, like, why do you care? You're still going to pay the same person right. for that amount. So that yeah, I'm all
0: be- about project-based, not yes. hourly based. And that's the way I even hire now. So if right. I have a project that needs to be done, I budget for the project and I don't care if it takes somebody five minutes, I would actually prefer someone to be such an expert that they can charge 2,500 and spend three hours and I'm happy and they're happy And it's such a win-win. So I think that's really good advice too for service-based
1: and solopreneurs. You know, get rid
0: of that hourly.
1: Yeah. But I do want to say that like all these webinar sequences and everything, they take so much time. So there's also a limit to my time of what I can do because it is just me in there clicking. Yes, no, send on this date. You know, those kinds of things that are just something I can't avoid. That is part of my job. So it's kind of a idea of thinking of how much time that's going to take and then working in how many clients can I take based on that too.
0: Right, and charging accordingly.
1: 100%. Because it's
0: so valuable, the kind of work that you're doing. And I'm so happy to have you back. And I'm so happy to have you share your burnout story because I know so many of us solopreneurs and service-based and in, in integrity humans have such a hard time saying no and stepping back and setting those boundaries. And I just feel that you're a beautiful example of that, but now you are back. So what are you up to? What are you loving? What kind of projects? I mean, I don't know where to start. Carrie and I overlap a lot um, in what we preach and what we practice in terms of our marketing. So we're huge on email marketing and funnels. We both love focusing on online launches um, and we have a really similar clientele. So it's just fun to hear from your end, you know, what's really exciting right now, um, what you love focusing on and where you feel like you can be the most supportive.
1: Yeah. So I've really found my niche in online teachers, I love teaching online. I love learning online. Like I am always 100% of the time enrolled in some sort of online class. That's true. I can, I can vouch for you. You're always posting
0: about some cool online experience you're getting.
1: Yes. I, that, and that helps my burnout too, to do things for me. Cause I love learning and, you know, just can take all of that. So I'm working with online teachers. I am still doing some projects for clients. Um, I have a few clients, but I'm pretty full right now until about August, which is awesome. And I'm, thank you. And then I'm also launching this week, something called copy paste launch, which is a email marketing templates. So I found that a lot of the emails that I'm writing for all of my clients are just like The time of this webinar is this, and here's the link to join. And that's something that I see from other new teachers that they don't really know what to write, or it feels overwhelming to even just sit down and write those out. So I created it for myself because now I've been using them with all my clients and just kind of filling in the blanks. So I have this new series of emails coming out that's sales emails, webinar emails, and class emails that I'm gonna be launching. And yeah, I just wanna have more projects like that, that are things that I'm creating that can still help clients, but aren't necessarily me being in your email systems and setting them all up. Yeah.
0: And that's also so much more expensive too, for the client. And that's one of the things I love about your new offerings before I had it in my head that I had to be able to make X amount to afford you. And knowing that you're available for like smaller projects and you're creating these types of offerings that are accessible, even on a greater scale is awesome because you're really able to serve so many people and what a great niche to be in! I mean who isn't teaching something online and who doesn't need marketing support from somebody that's like such an automation queen, which is really the thing I wanted to touch on last, because I think about, you know, as solopreneurs, for whatever reason, when I scream, grow your email list, like automated welcome sequence, like these things from the freaking rooftops, The reaction I get is just like, not, there's no urgency on their end. Let me just say, and like, this is the best way I feel like as marketers, we can really support our clients is through like standardized templates and automations and, making it so, for example, somebody can come into your world, have this incredibly nourishing experience, get so much free value from you, get an offer put in front of them, join a webinar potentially, whatever it is, and then have them apply, sign up, book, register for the paid thing without ever having to come online. Like, how do we how do we say the benefit of, Taking the time to invest in things like growing your email list or building top of funnel offers or creating automations like how do you share with your clients these online teachers right from maybe making just starting out doing their first 10k launch all the way up to a seven figure launch, and everything in between how do you share the benefit and importance of these like systems and automations that do like you said take a lot of time and investment to set up
1: yeah so what i see is that people go one of two routes when they're starting their businesses and they want to scale their businesses they either jump in and just start selling like hey i have this available buy this thing or they just give out so much free content and then they aren't actually making the sale. So I feel like there's this fork where the clients that I jump in with are either in one of those two paths. And the clients that I love to work with have been nurturing their email list or their online audience for so long because they are the easiest people to sell for because everybody already knows them, likes them, trusts them, and they're just like done. So the clients that are just selling, they're, Unsubscribe rates are going down and or their unsubscribe rates are going up and up and up. Their email list is going down and down, down because they're just selling all the time and nobody wants to get a whole bunch of salesy emails. So I think that there is such a beautiful like blend between the nurturing and the sales. And I feel like it should be like, I would say 80% nurture, 20% sales. Because once somebody is in your audience, they're getting those friendly emails from you. Then, when you do send them one, they're already used to opening up your emails. They know that they like you, and it's just an easy, quick yes by now.
0: Yeah. And you can automate it totally. So, the part that I think is so important is there is this like setup process and this investment period, whether it's time, whether it's energy or money, you have to invest in, in this setup. And it's something that you and I do regularly for clients. And if we come into a situation and there is not a top of funnel setup going on, it's like, we can't do anything until we set this up. And it can be hard to express that when someone just wants to see an uptick in revenue or an uptick in email subscribers. And, In your opinion, what is like the most important success metric for an online teacher to sort of be prioritizing or maybe the top few success metrics that you're really looking for to help move the needle?
1: I really love the click rate. So we always talk about open rates (laughs) (laughs) for open rates. Like, you know, you could have a low open rate, but if you're getting all those people to click through, then that's amazing. So I always do things like put a link at the very top of the email, like the first sentence of the email should have something that you can click through add a picture. Maybe I always link all of my pictures. So if somebody accidentally clicks on the picture, it takes them to the page that you want to go to things like that. Like just making it so that they have multiple opportunities to click through because really they can't buy from the email. They have to actually go to, even if it's just to a PayPal page or a processing page where they pay right away. So that's the number that I really like to see go up when I'm working with clients is the click-through rate. And again, the way we do that is just delivering awesome content that they want to click through on and making it just so easy for them to say yes in their mind and click through.
0: I wish I had um, recorded this before I sent my email today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love getting your emails and I want to talk to you. I'm curious about Flowdesk. Do you love it?
0: I love it. I love it so much. Um, it's the email marketing platform that we've switched to. We've now used multiple platforms over the years, including ActiveCampaign, MailChimp. And I'm very familiar with Klaviyo, though I feel that that's better for um, like e-commerce based um, because of its amazing integration with Shopify. <clears throat> However, for an online teacher, I um, Or a more creative, artistic vibe of a company, of a brand persona, I'm finding it to be so fun and their templates are so easy to make like really cool and engaging. And I have actually made it a goal of turning every single email into like newsletter format or a, or a long form sales page. And it has upped and increased our open and click-through rates tremendously since we switched. And I think part of it is because I just enjoy doing it. And so the energy that goes into creating the emails, like I spent three hours working on an email today, which feels like an amazing use of time because it's going to reach 30%, right? My open rate's like 30% right now. So it's going to reach over 2,000 people. And my click-through rate's gone up significantly. And it's just so much, it's just such a better use of time than posting on social media. And what I like to do now, my strategy is whatever we share in the email, I do like a light version on my stories. Yeah. So I use the email like today is a perfect example. I thought of three things that were I really wanted to share. And the first thing was Katie. I wanted to let our audience know that you can now book one-on-one with Katie. Um, She created a QuickBooks setup and this other setup that you can do with your organization um, that's like so incredible. We hadn't really shared about it. So I like wanted to do this in depth into Katie and the value of organization and blah, blah, blah. So I like started with this concept. And then from there, I wanted to promote our upcoming creative confidence workshop and then the podcast from last week. And so now I wrote this whole thing. People are actually going to read it because guess what? People actually read your emails if the content is good and valuable. So that's also my intention with every email is to lead with value. So like, here are the top organizational things to be thinking about in your business. Like, here are the questions to ask yourself. Here's where to start, like immediate value for your business. And then I go into whether it's a podcast or a workshop or like a new offering or something like that. But my goal is to always lead with real value, like real storytelling that kind of thing. And it's just gone so well. And then I'll take that and on social create like three to four graphics, like two about how you can book with Katie now, one about the, you know, the podcast graphics, and then I'll repost the webinar info for our workshop. And it's like done.
1: Yeah. It's, and I love that too. You can repurpose everything. Everything,
0: and we're starting a blog soon that we're going to post so that we have more email content, and then linking that to Pinterest. So that's yes. another thing: is repurposing content is a huge strategy. I'm I'm using right now for my clients and myself, and just making sure that it's available on multiple platforms and that people can find you and get into your email list. It's still the only call to action, whether you're finding me on Pinterest or the blog or wherever it is, the next thing is going to say, join my email list and like get into this really amazing welcome sequence. And last week I had Jen on the podcast from Tonic and she just talked about how important it is to love your website and like really have that energy where you're excited for people to come to your site. And I feel that way with our email list and with our welcome sequence. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you help your clients get excited about writing these emails and like being found this way. Like it's your very first touch point. It's the very first time someone gets to hear from you. It's an amazing opportunity to sell and connect and build. And yeah. Tell me more.
1: Yeah. And I think Kind of circling back to this topic of burnout, I find that those emails hold the energy for you even when you don't have the energy yourself. So if you can really be high vibe and you know create the sales page, create the email sequence when you're feeling good, then you don't have to worry about it all the time because it's already just going out and it's holding that energy for you all the time. So I love that you said that you feel good in Flowdesk and that's totally what's showing up when you are sending out emails. That's why people want to open them
0: hmm I think that that's such good advice too, of like build it when you're high vibes. That's the great thing about automations. Like- yep. Thank goodness. I built this welcome sequence before I got pregnant because now like I'm in no space to hold this kind of space. However, I know my welcome sequence is doing the trick. And at any point I can jam into FlowDesk and see, Oh my goodness. I like 84 people that are brand new in my world in different parts of my sequence right now, like getting different value from me. And and then from there, like you said, once they're warmed up and I've been nurturing them a long time, it makes launching or selling or putting any call to action um, in front of them, for that matter, like so much more energy rich. Yeah. And I think that that's a great first step for anyone. Is just nurture your people, love on your people. And I've said this so many times, but I was talking to these these new clients recently, and they're like, "We want to." grow. We want to turn on the faucet. We want to run ads and there's no ecosystem in place to catch these people. And it was hard for me. I had to say, listen, like it's not the best use of your dollar right now because we will, they will say yes, they'll opt in. We have nothing set up. We have no value to share. Like we need to set this up so that when somebody comes in cold or warm, there's like a curated experience for them. And I feel like that's where the power really lies. And with the people who take the time to do that and the teachers, or they hire someone like you or me to do it for them. Yep. We just see it pay off exponentially. And Yeah, do you have any other like advice or sort of, um, you know, success metric that somebody new teaching in the online space could do like right now or, or today, whether it's on their email list or on socials or how they can just, I love how you talk about, you know, showing up as your best self and how a new teacher can maybe do that.
1: Yeah, I mean if they don't have an email list, I will echo you that you need to get one now. Like go sign up right nice. now Carrie for me and email I list. work with people that have like a hundred
0: thousand uh, people on their email list imagine having a hundred thousand people on your email list with like a 10% click-through rate. <laughs> like, That's amazing. That I know. So incredible. You would never have to pay for advertising ever again.
1: Totally. Anyway. And one of the things that I love about email lists is it feels a little bit more intimate. Yes. Like, you know, who's on there and you know, who's going to see it. Whereas on Instagram, even so many people follow me that I don't know, or they're weird guys or whatever. I'm like, it feels kind of weird, but the
0: whole psychology of an email list. List feels so much better to me because even just scrolling on social versus like scrolling through an email feels totally. so different. And like you said, the people that are on your email list, like to me, those are the real VIPs like they have joined, they have said, I want to receive these emails, they have opted in for one of your amazing offerings that they feel super in resonance with. So there's also this sort of like we talk about the money exchange all the time. But I feel that same exchange when somebody opts into my email list. It's like totally. what I provide them, you know, in exchange for hopefully one day their their energy back, whether it's you know in form of a sign up or a referral or whatever.
1: Yeah, and it's almost as good as a sale to get an opt in. It's like a little celebration. I do. But I to me, it's totally good. yeah. But the one thing that I think that people miss from doing emails and why it maybe doesn't stick as much is you don't get as much feedback from it. Like you do get a few responses every once in a while, But I feel like it's more just send it out and then wonder until you start selling to your list. And then that's when you can really tell if the people are engaged. But it is it's definitely something you have to stick with the you know, the opening welcome sequences might feel almost like writing a little mini book. You do have to make the time and just sit down and do it and just trust that it's going to come back to you and that when you go to sell to your list, they're going to be ready because other than that, you might hear crickets for a little while and that's okay too. It's just creating the content, getting in the habit. And then like we talked about repurposing it and you can use it in so many other places too.
0: Yeah. I love this idea of repurposing because we work so hard creating this content, you know, as content creators and being able to put it out there in multiple different places. Another thing that we're working on right now is Pinterest. So I'll report back to you guys on that strategy and how that's going. But I, I did want to take the last few minutes, Carrie and I can like scream about automations and the funnel (laughs) offers. It's like, we, I mean, and this is the thing because we are seeing the numbers, like you said, you're behind the scenes. In the tech, and you're seeing like the power of this in real time data and numbers. And I really appreciate and want to echo what Carrie said. Having a hundred thousand email subscribers is not the goal. Like she said, the success metric is actually that click through rate. If you have a hundred subscribers and 20 to 30 of them are clicking through into whatever it is that you're sharing in your emails, like huge. That's also a huge click-through rate by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my (laughs) point is is like, don't
1: expect a lot, like 5% click-through rate is amazing.
0: I would say I, my click-through rates right now, I cannot get above 3% and I'm seeing my open rates go up, but it, like you said, it doesn't matter if they're not clicking through. So, um, Yeah. I also think understanding that like this, what the success metrics of email marketing are, and we've shared this a lot in our courses and carries just like a wealth of knowledge on this as well. But last thing I want to talk about, and we touched on this a little is being a mom because Carrie has done all of this, um, through the last, you know, however long that you've been in business, um, transitioning into motherhood in the last few years, I've seen you do it real time and just what it's been like and how that's maybe affected you or your work or your priorities, because from my set, from my side, from my end, you're just as available now, you know, you're just as I can count on you now. Like, you know, there's nothing's changed. But I have this huge fear about it. So I would love for you to talk about it.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited. I wish that we could have this conversation again in a year. And I want to know how it is for you. But when I was pregnant, I remember one of my clients kept being like, are you sure you're going to come back? Are you sure you're? And I was like, yeah, like, no, there's no question. Like, I love my business. Of course, I'm coming back. And then when I did come back, like, it's just different. It's not that it's like bad or, I mean, it's definitely harder. There are things that you have to juggle, but you know, you set up systems and when they're newborns, like they go through so many stages that allow you to have more or less time with work. So like when he was a newborn, he just kind of sat there. So I would like have him in the bouncer next to me while I was working. And now it's different. Like he'll sit in the chair next to me in color or whatever. And it's just a never ending, always changing, you know, adventure with him. But I think one of the cool things about owning a business, um, I don't know if I shared this with you, but when you did a business meditation where you connect with your business, I was just coming out of my burnout period. That was also a lot of mom life. Like I really took a lot of time with him when I was burnt out and my business said to me, I'm still here. And I loved that so much because I, I felt like, oh, <laughs> don't make me cry too. It was like, you know, she is still there for you whenever you want to come back. And that kind of comes in phases too. Like sometimes I'm so jazzed about work and I can't wait to get online in the morning. And then other times it's harder and I need to step back a little bit. So I think that that's the amazing thing about being supported by your business is that Mm -hmm. it does ebb and flow and you can take that time for your kids. You aren't going to the office and working. Like I cannot even imagine the moms that leave their kids in daycare and go to an office job for like eight plus hours a day that it seems so hard. That's like a different thing. So it's hard in a different way, but at least you'll be close by and That's what
0: I feel really the most grateful for. And we also have family close by, like both of our parents are um, very close by and wanting to be very involved. Um, And so I just feel very blessed that I know that I will be able to come back to work. And I'm also really excited about having something else that I care about so much because truly I'm not a mom yet. And I love my husband dearly and I love my dogs, but like work is my life, not in a burnout, like hustle culture kind of way, but in a nourishing, abundant, in service, like spiritual even kind of way. And so I'm just excited to experience like all that life has to offer me on this path. And the more I become open to that, the more freedom my business actually has to evolve as well. And so that's really my, you know, it's, and also, you know, something else that's really interesting is we just did our projections for Q3 and four, which I'm trying to take off. So I'm due end of September, but new mom. So probably October. And my goal would be October, November, December off. Right. Mm -hmm. And come back in the new year and we already know what we're planning and launching and instead of feeling tied down, I feel actually more free. This past week was the first time I've planned past 90 days in my business ever. And we're like six years old and I've been doing business before that. And I've only ever projected out our projects for the next 90 days to allow for that freedom. And what do we want to launch? And, you know, I know roughly we're going to launch a retreat this time, or I know roughly we're going to announce this, but I'm not hard out until 90 days. And we sat down and Katie was like, we need to plan For Q3 and four. And like, we're only planned through August, which, you know, right now is May. And even that's far. And we did it. And I know what we're launching. And it actually gave me more freedom to be creative and strategic because I have more time. Totally to like sort of think about, okay, how do we fill this in and being very entrepreneurial? It's like, this is what we need to hit to keep the business running. My lights on in my house, you know, like I'm not going for a massive profit during Q3 and four while I'm having a baby, but as an entrepreneur and not somebody that goes to the office or works nine to five, I don't have the same Right. It's such a bad, like you said, going to the office would be so hard. And yet a lot of my friends who have that salary lifestyle get maternity leave and all these benefits. Right. And so the alternate of that is having to fill that revenue myself and keep my team alive while I'm nurturing literally new life. And what's so funny is the finances of Q3 and Q4 are not what's stressing me out. It's like, the emotional being away from my business and feeling like I'm letting her down and doing the projections. I'm like, okay, we're all held. Like we're, we've totally got this. Here's what we can pull in. Here's what we can do. And it's just a whole new way of being that I'm already learning.
1: Yeah, and I think once your baby is here, it's like you will realize, oh, all I want to do is stare at her all day. Yeah, it will be so busy. I stare
0: at her picture from the twenty week (laughs) scan last week. It's so funny because she's inside my belly, but I like think of her as the picture on the scan. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, I need to bring her with me, like the picture, even though she's with me always. And it's like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and. I mean, even like my kids in my life right now, I have three kids I'm like pretty close with and they're my world, you know, like,
1: yeah.
0: and so I just can't even imagine it. But at the same time, like knowing that my business will still be here for me and knowing that my clients, like just how I was just chomping at the bit for you to come back, you know, there's going to be that renewed energy. And there's that downtime, I think will actually open up even more opportunity, for us, you know, if I just trust in it. And so watching you do it, and you also share like really openly about work and mom life. Yeah. And there's not even a part of me that thinks, oh, I don't wanna like hire Carrie or trust Carrie because I know she's like prioritizing mom life. Like, it's just not a true story. And I think as women, especially, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like remain, you know, this powerhouse in business instead of just being like, I'm a mom now too. And I'm also a boss bitch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's something I've been really thinking about lately because I used to, and still kind of feel it come up when I share something about having fun online, like, Oh, I'm hanging out with my kid. I feel like my clients are going to see it and be like, well, she hasn't got me that webinar page yet. So what is she doing? Just having fun, like living her life, posting on Instagram. I feel the same. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with my kid, So he's fun to share. And like, that's part of my life too. So if you are so concerned about me sharing a picture of my kid, then you're probably not the best fit to be my client. No, it's
0: so true. And I think that's what we just keep coming back to is like, our people are out there and whatever it is that you do. I think this was a great Episode two for anybody in the VA space or in the solopreneur space that has like service based or project based offerings. And also for those of you who are hiring people to do this kind of stuff for you and know how much like intention and love goes into the projects that Carrie and I build. It's just, you know, a win win whether you are on our end or whether you're on the end of needing to hire um, or work with somebody like us. So this has just been such a great convo. I feel like we could talk about so many things, but just a couple of rapid fire questions. Cause you're such a good source of info for me. The first one is what are you reading right now?
1: I'm reading two books. I always read. I'm two shocked. Books. I know <laughs> the first one is the gunkle. Don't read it. It's not good. I'm trying really hard to finish it, but everybody online said it was good. It's okay. It's not great. Okay. Um, See, and this then, is why I
0: ask you, cause I trust you. I love opinion.
1: having, like, I try to do one fiction and one nonfiction at all times because I don't like reading nonfiction before bed. Cause then my mind is just constantly going on what I'm going to do in my business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the nonfiction book I'm reading right now is we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Mm-hmm. She's rad. It's a very good right. book.
0: I like that. And I believe that. Yeah. Um, okay. And who's your favorite follow right now?
1: Um, I just invested in a mastermind with a coach. Her name is the Taylor Lee on Instagram. I love her. So every time she's a business coach. Yes. It's at underscore the Taylor Lee.
0: Amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And my last question is for anybody who comes through your platform or listens to your podcast or buys your new um, products and templates, or hires you, whatever it is, however, they come into your space. Like, what is your prayer for those people, for those badass <laughs> online teachers?
1: I love that. I think just that they'll have more time to do things that light them up. I really love that I can give that to people, both in launching and having them earn more money so that they don't have to do as many day to day things. And also, just in setting up those systems for them so that they don't have to stress about it. So, more time to do what they love.
0: I love that. People that come to us are often like, I'm so bad at marketing. And I'm like, that's great for me. Like I wouldn't have a job. Like you're not supposed to be good at it. You have this incredible gift. You have this incredible offering or service and we're a perfect team because I don't have that, but I know how to get that out there. And so- And
1: I also want to say though, that if you're not ready to invest, just jump in, like do something because I feel like that holds so many people back. They're like, I don't know how to send an email and MailChimp. It's like, Google it, figure it out send out the email and just make it happen. Like you can, you can do it if you play around enough. And once you do it a few times, it makes it way easier.
0: I think that's amazing advice. There's such a level of resistance around like, oh, I don't know how to do it, but like truly a five minute Google search will get you really far and probably actually save you a lot of money too. And there's so many free resources out there. Carrie has some, I have some, like you have so many opportunities to learn about marketing and I love how many of us are out there like legit, authentic and integrity marketers that really want to move the needle for you and are going to be really great stewards of your dollar. So Carrie gives me so much hope for our amazing niche of marketing that we are in serving the amazing people that we are serving. For anyone that wants to listen to your pod or follow you on Insta, give me all the calls to action when your new templates are out, yeah. all the goods.
1: So I host the, your best selfie podcast. You can find it at your best selfie or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And Krista was a guest on there. So you'll have to Google it great and, find her. and you can find me online everywhere at Hey Carrie. And it's like Carrie Anderson, but without the Urson. So Hey Carrie <laughs> and and Carrie And then, yeah, my new program, copy paste launch, all the email templates are going to be out this week. And you can find those at copypastelaunch.com, or I'm sure it'll be linked on my website too.
0: Incredible. Thanks for coming on. I think we should talk more. It's fun having somebody that is so easy to talk to. And oftentimes I have people on that are quite different in such different fields, like doing such you know, incredible work, but it's always fun to drop in with someone who's like on the same wavelength has like such similar ideas around marketing. And I've like learned so much of what I do through you and through your strategies. And when I scream these strategies from the rooftops, it's because I've watched somebody like Harry, like perfect it, um, and really guide us behind the scenes. And there's just so much that you're doing behind the scenes. And every company needs a carry. Um, and we're just so lucky to know you. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. And everything back at you, you're really leading the way for so many people in this marketing space and witchy business too, has been life-changing to me to know that we can incorporate that and all of ourselves into our marketing. I think you do that really well. So I'm grateful to be connected.
0: Thank you. I love witchy business and I love having you in there and you're such a witchy babe. And I can't wait for to see what offerings you come up with next because yeah, you're so intuitive and spot on to what your clients need. So this was such a great episode. I'm so grateful. And I know that wherever you are in business and in life, there was some wisdom to be had today and for everybody listening I just appreciate you so much and you know that but we wouldn't be here without you so thank you thank you thank you and until next time keep growing